um, because you know that um, by now our verse is going to start off with two words. What are those two words? <laughs> by faith. Amen. The believer gets everything done by faith. Amen. That's how we get things done in the earth realm. We walk by faith. The just live by faith. Everything we get done is by faith. Amen. So it's good to see you tonight. And I want you to come with me to Numbers chapter 13, verse number 30. And uh, while you're going there, I clap my hands for my sweet wife tonight. I thank God for her. Amen. And my family and, and everybody here. Amen. God bless her tonight. And uh, I appreciate her. And um, amen to you, the people of God. God bless you tonight and every visitor and every friend that, that's here. Amen. But Numbers chapter uh, 13, verse number 30. And I want to expand this thought. We started playing with it, unpacking it a couple of weeks ago. And I want to go back to it tonight. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 30, verse number 30, this is after the 10 spies brought a bad report. Uh, we see Caleb. Uh, who the Bible says was of a different spirit. Amen. He had a different disposition. And how many know Christians ought to be different? Amen. We don't look at things the way other people look at them. Amen. We don't look at hard places the way that other people look at hard places. In fact, if you're a believer, we're going to read our text. But James 1 is correct when it says, count it. How much joy? All joy. When we fall into diverse temptations, hard times, difficult spaces, we count it joy. We always have an optimistic perspective because we know that the outcome is going to be in our favor. Amen. It's going to work out on our behalf. So I want to encourage you tonight in verse 30. The Bible says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, no, no, let's go up at once and take possession. Why, Caleb? For we are well able look at your neighbor and say you're well able yeah tell somebody else in jesus you're well able yeah you're well able amen we're seated in christ seated in christ we are well able let's go up at once let's possess the land let's blossom our business amen let's get our new job glory to god let's get healed let's get everything that is in the promised land let's take possession because we are well able. Now let me see the hands of folk in here that's ready to go in the land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Well, the Bible says you're well able and that's good news. Amen. That means everything that God has laid up in store for you to possess, he has invested in you the ability to possess it. Amen. So we started talking about promised land thinking, but I want to deal with a different angle of this tonight, Dave. I want to talk from this thought. We're still in the session on by faith. This is dealing with Moses and his people. But I want to extract Caleb out tonight and we're going to flip through scriptures and really enjoy ourselves. But tonight I want to talk from the thought mental toughness, mental toughness. I want to deal with mental toughness. How many of you know the mind is the most powerful tool in your body? Amen. So we're going to deal with mental toughness. Now, hear this. Mental toughness is not just the ability to take a lot. You know, people would look at a Marine, a Navy SEAL, and, and they say, well, that's a person that has significant mental toughness. They can take a lot, take a lot of pain. They can stay underwater 
uh, more than the average person. They can go without food longer than the average person, on and on. They would say that person has mental toughness, and that's true. But mental toughness for the believer is not just that you are able to take a lot. Really hear this. Mental toughness is the knowing that when a lot comes, you'll overcome it. <laughs> no, we don't just go through to take it. Amen. We are not just resilient. Mental toughness for us is the understanding that when a lot of pressure, when a lot of things are occurring or co-occurring, that we, hallelujah, will overcome it. Now, I don't want you to paint this message the wrong way and make you think that this is a prophetic utterance that a lot of pain and travail is coming your way. I want you to really hear what, what the angle that I'm teaching this from tonight. Uh, when you're going to new levels in God and when you're going to new places and greater places, amen, how many of you know you have to transition your thinking? Amen. You got to bring your mind up to the next platform. There's a difference in working at the company and being the CEO. <laughs> amen. Your, your mindset. Amen. Your, your disposition, your mentality. Amen. It's got to be different than the average person that just clocks in every day. In fact, with the blessings of the Lord, with the promised land becomes the need for mental toughness. How many know in the promised land there are some giants? Amen. In the promised land that's flowing with milk and honey, you will need to conquer. Yet it is a land that God promised us. And in order for us to take full advantage of that land, we got to have mental toughness. Amen. So it's not just that we can take a lot, but it is the understanding and knowing that we will always come out on top. Amen. Mental toughness is the fight and stick to itism is the way I define it, uh, that ultimately produces results. Amen. The fight and stick to itism that ultimately produces results. How many of you know you don't finish medical school without mental toughness? Amen. You, you, you don't. You, you, I got some, uh, I'm looking to my left over here and I see a, a Duke Law graduate. And I guarantee you she did not finish a Duke Law without mental toughness. Amen. It came came with that a a sense of uh, this is great. I'm glad to be at this awesome, prestigious school. But in order to come out on the other side, I'm going to have to do what the average person won't do. Amen. When everybody's sleeping and resting and relaxing. Amen. I'm studying. I'm overcoming. I'm travailing. I'm putting hours into this thing becoming what God said it would become. Somebody shout hallelujah for mental toughness. Amen. Amen. That being said, I want you to come with me to Jeremiah 12 and 5. This is so good tonight. Mental toughness. Some of you believe in God for promotion. Well, you know, in your promotion, this is what you're going to need. Amen. This is what it's going to take even to be promoted, to be favored. When Caleb said we were well able, he said, now, listen, we can go. We can conquer. We can beat these guys. We can handle this. Yeah, we can build this church. We can build this school. We can do whatever we're trying to do. Amen. And I want you to see it come alive. And I really love this verse in Jeremiah 12 and 5. And this thing will bless you real good. It says, if you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? 
<laughs> Glory to God. Everybody say mental toughness. That's good, isn't it? If you run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how are you going to run with the horses? And see, some of us in the room tonight, you need to understand that one of the conditions to your increased promotion and favor and all that God wants to do in your life is, is you're going to have to conquer fear. And you have to conquer apprehensions. Amen. You're going to have to conquer the woe is me complex. You have to just get over that. Certain things can no longer even get your attention for a day when you're going to the top. Man, when you're going to the top, you know, you you take a run with horses mentality. He said, if you've run with average men and that wearies you, that gets you pooped. Amen. How many of you know if you can't run a 5K, don't worry about a marathon. Oh, y'all going to catch up with me in a minute. Yeah, what, 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 what are we talking about? One lap around the track and, and you huffing and puffing? Amen. No, don't worry about the mile. Amen. Quarter miles wearing you out. Well, if you can't run uh, with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how are you going to contend with horses and keep reading? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted they weary you, then how are you going to deal with the floodplain of Jordan? How are you going to deal with the floodwaters? How are you going to deal with that next level, that next dimension? You see, God is always challenging us to conquer, to go to the next level. Let me see if I can explain this scripture. And y'all, please put it up now in the New Living Translation, if you don't mind. But how many of you know algebra is algebra either way you shake it down? All right. So algebra, the subject of algebra uh, has certain things that come with it. Uh, and if you take algebra uh, in middle school, they take algebra. You know, they, they do. Middle schoolers, some uh, middle schoolers in here, they, they take algebra eh? because algebra is algebra. Amen. But how many you know when you take college algebra? <laughs> Y'all gonna catch up with me in just a second. See, middle school algebra is going to give you about three months to learn that lesson of integers or whatever they're going through, you know, at that time. But when you start taking college algebra, you got about one week for that lesson because you're in college algebra and we're going to go to new lessons and new territories next week. Somebody say I'm moving at the speed of God. Yeah. And that's how God is. God's got a time capsule a time scale if you will he's got a platform that he wants you on by a certain time and when he's trying to get you there his point is you're gonna have to master this component faster same subject but you had another level now you're older now come on church you had another dimension now i'm trying to do something new in you now behold i'll do a new thing in you it'll spring forth so god is emphatic about you don't have time for old mindsets you don't have time for elementary development. Are y'all getting this tonight? You can't move at a snail's pace if you're going to run with the horses. This is so good. If you're racing against mere men and it makes you tired, I like NLT. How will you race against the horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Woo, that's good stuff. My God. And how many of you know, and, and this is big boy teaching tonight, so stay with me, but how many of you know kidney garden Christianity will not get you in the promised land? Amen. Come on, somebody, needing a lollipop and a sucker every time you go to the bank will not get you in the promised land. 
My four primaries, I ask for it all the time. That's why that example came to my mind. But that won't get you in the promised land. No, if you're going to get in the promised land and I'm going to teach faith tonight, you got to put your big boy pants on in your mind. You got to change your mind. You got to change the way you think about trials. You have to change the way, and I can say we, change the way we think about pursuing success, change our work ethic. I'm so proud of the ministry, uh, and this is a, 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 a plug. Many folk in this church are a part of a program called No More Fat, which is kind of neat. So you might want to look into that program. A lot of folks are taking it. Well, from what I hear from those who are involved with the program, like it is just a, you know, no holes barred, don't have time for slip ups, mess ups. No candy, no chocolate, just no, I mean, no bread unless it's a part of that week's diet. No, nothing you shouldn't be eating. You're just not permitted to do so. All the folk taking it just said amen, so now you know who to check in with. Amen. Just no time, no time to, to be messing up. You know, your family is going to, out to dinner or out to eat. Well, you got to call and get permission as to what you can eat. No, you can't just have it. Well, I thought I was eating a salad. Well, you can't have that kind of salad because you're in the no more fat program. Ooh, Jesus. No, you can't do what everybody else is doing. Everybody else having dessert? Mm -mm. No, you're in no more fat. Dave can help me teach this. You, you can't have dessert. Amen. Ooh, Jesus. You're in a different platform now. You're in a different class. Now, eating is eating, but no more fat eating. That's running with the horses. Come on, somebody. That's it. It's an aggressive form of weight loss. And I'm proud of folk who've been taking it. I'm telling you, you're going to know who's taking it real soon because I can tell it on them. Amen. And at the end of the day, y'all, that's really what this context means. Like when you want drastic change, there's a mental toughness that kicks in. There's a mindset that says, I just can't do what everybody else is doing. I mean, I realize that and I'm not bragging in this, but I, I learned this early on in ministry, especially in pastoring. The rules change. I learned that my prayer life as a pastor had to be exponentially more than it was at any other point in my life. I mean, I just I don't know what it's like to go a whole week without prayer in the word. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I mean, on my leisure time, I, I didn't have a lot of leisure time today, but I happened to have an hour or two before I had to go to another meeting. And, and my wife, she just said out loud, she said, dear, I, I, you know, stopped in the house. She said, you need to rest. You need to just stop. You need to rest. By the time I sat down on a recliner to rest during my lunch period, before I knew it, I had more preaching on. <laughs> it was just common practice, you know. Now, some of that's bad because how many of you know you need to be able to take a Sabbath, too? That'll mess you up. But contextually, I understand that at this place in my development, a concentrated brand of prayer and study is essential to my functioning. Without it, I'm no good. And I'm not just talking about to teach the word to you on Thursday or Sunday. I'm talking about to live by faith. To operate by faith, because for the believer, we are always not an obstacle, but we're always up against something that's going to require us to operate by faith. Are you in here, church? 
where you are going to need faith to get it done. You are going to have scenarios in your life to where you're going to have to run with the horses, baby, where it's going to be that you're going to have to believe God. Come on, somebody, because there's no other logical way to get it done. If God doesn't do it, it won't get done. But if you're going to walk in that dimension of faith, you have to be done with running against mere men. You got to be finished with that level. Why is this passage so powerful? Because if you read it in its context, in fact, let's look at a few verses in uh, Jeremiah 12, verse number one. Jeremiah is almost complaining. This is so good. He said, righteous are you, O Lord. And I'm in New King James Version. When I plead with you, you let me talk with you about your judgments. Then he starts getting a little frustrated. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? God, why are they prospering? Why, why are they doing well? Everybody say complaining. complaining. Come on, let's look at verse number two. You have planted them. Yes, they have taken root. They grow. Yes, they bear fruit. You are near them in their mouth, but far from their mind. Everybody say complaining. All right, let me put this in contemporary language. God, now I've been living holy for the past three, four, five years as a single sister. How is it that when I look on Facebook, the one who is living like a harlot is getting married next Saturday? Which you shouldn't be looking at her anyway, because he who compares himself with another is not wise. But that's what we do when we get in our emotions. We start complaining and you start leaving out a bunch of variables like the one that uh, is so critical to this story. Yeah, she's getting married, but she's also marrying an undercover brother. <laughs> oh, they get married. All right. <laughs> Somebody say variables. Yeah, why does it look like the wicked are prospering? And even if she wasn't marrying an undercover brother and the Lord just happened to bless her sooner or she, she came into her season. How many of you know I'm not getting a covetous spirit, which is a whole nother level of Christianity. I'm not looking at you saying, why is it God doing it for you and he's not doing it for me? Well, in this case, Jeremiah is talking about the wicked, though. They're prospering. It seems like they're going to the top. They got promoted. Everybody say complaining. Come on, mental toughness. Verse three, but you, O Lord, know me, <laughs> self-righteousness. You have seen me and you have tested my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. You ever had that disposition? Lord, kill them. <laughs> that's exactly what Jeremiah is saying. I mean, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. Kill them and prepare for them the day of slaughter, God. Whoo, this is good teaching already. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of the field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they say he will not see our final end. Then the Lord answers Jeremiah. Oh, Jesus. Anybody here ever had a complaint and the Lord answers you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, that's what he does. He said, now look here, if you can't run with footmen, if that little stuff throws you off track. Come on, church. If that if that little stuff gets you off track, if you get so emotional just because something you wanted didn't work out the way you wanted to work out in the time in which you wanted to to work out. If you get in that category, if you're uh, looking at others and getting your marching orders from that, he said, look, if, if you can't run with the footmen and they get you down and out and they wear you, how are you going to contend with the horses? 
And you know why this verse is so powerful? Speaking of mental toughness, because God has so much in store for us, church. But this message tonight is so powerful and so necessary because the only way we are going to obtain all that God has in store for us is, is we are going to have to have the paradigm, the mental toughness necessary to stick it out, stick to it. Amen. And get there and stay there. Somebody shout hallelujah. No, it takes mental toughness, brother, to build that business. Amen. When you've been turned down a number of times, it's going to take mental toughness. Amen. You got to have some spring back. What happens if you don't pass the test? See, I'm teaching in love tonight. What happens if you don't pass the exam? What happens if you get put out for a semester? You know, mental toughness. Yeah. It's going to take some mental toughness. It's going to take some bounce back because how many of you know the truth is in life, sometimes, you know, you may come up against a failure. You know, this is so good. Uh, Peter, I have prayed for you. You're going to hear this on Sunday that your faith would fail not. Well, you're looking at a man and I'll be the one to confess it. You don't have to confess it. But I can remember, especially in my days of developing faith, I can remember times, Tanya, when my faith failed me. It wasn't that God didn't have the promise. But in that instant, faith failed. What does mental toughness have to do with faith? It's a direct link. Because faith is, or, or, or mental toughness is the realm of your soul. Your thoughts, your emotions, your reactions. Well, I'll tell you where mental toughness can throw your faith off. You're believing God for the new house, and the underwriter sends you the news saying you don't qualify for the house. If you don't have mental toughness, your first response is going to kill the seed of the house because you're going to say, well, I guess it wasn't for me after all. And your words, come on, is going to cancel out anything God was going to do. Oh, I'm teaching tonight. That's what the enemy needs. He needs your words to authorize him. So one hint of bad news, you get a letter that you didn't get the job or you get a letter that doesn't so you get a letter that there's a spot on some part of your body. Well, if you don't have godly mental toughness, your response is going to give authorization to the symptom. Authorization. I'm telling you, y'all, and I know this from experience. I have not been sick, and I don't remember uh, the last time that I was sick, sick. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It's not because symptoms haven't tried. But it's because when the symptoms come, come on, I'm aware of my promise. I'm aware of what the word of God says. And my default response is by his stripes, I am healed. I'm not going down. I'm not weakening down. I'm not getting the sniffles. Come on, somebody. See, if you're writing, it takes mental toughness to not be logical. And that's the realm the enemy needs you in. He needs you in the realm of logic. If he can get you in logic, if he gets get you to be so practical in your approach to living. Amen. It won't matter whether or not God has the promised land for you, Caleb. You'll be like the other 10 spies. The one hint of bad news, the, the, the Hiviasites and Jebusites and Canaanites and whoever else was in that land. Any hint of anything that doesn't look quite like what God said it would look like is going to make you change your confession. 
And instead of saying like Caleb, we are well able, you're going to start saying stuff like we look like grasshopper in their eyes. And so we do in our own eyes. Now, this is where it gets good. How do they know what those folk thought of them? They didn't know. They invented what they thought of them by fear. Instead of operating in faith. They size the enemy up as being bigger than them instead of saying, oh, magnify the Lord with me. See, there's sometimes in places you got to come in your life to where you begin to magnify the Lord in the platform of your thinking. And you recognize that no matter what, my God is bigger than this scenario. My God will supply all of my needs according to what? His riches in glory. Baby, that is mental toughness. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That is mental toughness. That's overcomer's mentality. And that's what I'm teaching about tonight. That's why believers ought not be depressed. We ought not be downtrodden. Amen. We ought to to stay in prayer, stay in the word, that our faith fail not. That our faith stand the test. Now, I'm going to show you another angle of this in just a second. And this is going to bless you real good because it's not always your faith has failed. But I'm telling you, mental toughness is what will feed your faith. It's what will cause you, amen, to get what God wants you to have. If you like writing, here's a good statement. Some opportunities and challenges require us to adjust our mind in order to obtain the desired result. Now, that's good. Some opportunities and challenges require us to adjust our mind in order to obtain the desired result. Mm -hmm. Somebody say you got to adjust your mind. Come on, let's go to first Peter one thirteen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you what, if you take this word tonight in faith, when I tell you, you'll get every promise that the Lord has in store for you. Because the enemy won't be able to play with you. The only way he steals the word, Mark chapter 4, 13, read it when you, when you have time, in verse 5. One of the ways he steals the word, the fowls of the air come because the word falls by the wayside. And they just eat it up. There's no root in them, Mel. There's no mental toughness. There's nothing in them that can really receive that word. So Satan comes and he steals it. Amen. But if you ever start wrapping your arms around this concept that I'm about to teach you tonight, Satan will not ever again in your life be able to steal anything from you. And when I say never again, God tells you you're the head and not the tail. You'll be the head. Hallelujah. He tells you the job is yours. Somebody know that 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 job is as good as done. Amen. He tell you that you healed. You hold on to healing no matter how much pain is in your body. How many know pain doesn't run anything? And all I needed is my faith to catch up with what God says, and that pain's going to subside. Amen. Amen. That's mental toughness. No, it takes, I'm really teaching this, that it takes mental toughness to get your healing. I'm getting ready to show it to you in the Bible, but first, let's, let's talk about this whole concept of your mind being where it needs to be when you're facing an opportunity or a challenge. You got it on the screen, but First Peter <clears throat> 1 and 13, I want to read it out of my Bible and, and, and make it real personal to me as well. Let the words leap off the pages. Listen to what he says. Therefore, gird up the what? Loins of your mind. 
That's good stuff. Gird up the loins. Soldiers in, in the olden days, even Roman soldiers, they, they would have to gird up their loins to run. Amen. Tie up. Amen. To run. Amen. Even one of uh, uh, the um, our spiritual weapons, our spiritual armor. Amen. Would cause us to protect Amen. Our loins to protect our front parts. Amen. Gird yourself up. Well, you got to do the same thing with your mind when you're believing God to go to another dimension. You got to tie your mind up around. it. You got to gird up the loins of your thinking. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the what? On what church? The great. So it's not me bringing it to pass. It's the grace of God. What am I going to rest in? The grace of God. So where do I need to gird up my mind? I need to gird up my mind and being sober, resting in what God has already done. No, we're not fighting a mind fight. This is not just mental ascension. That's what they teach you in popular psychology. That's not what I'm teaching tonight. No, this is not some metaphysical message. No, girding up your mind is that you would labor to enter into Hebrews 4, the rest that God has provided for you. Why are you worried about something that God has already provided? Amen. That he's already done. What scholarship are you concerned about? I'm not concerned about, come on, college students getting a scholarship when I've girded up my mind. I've girded up the loins of my mind. I'm not, I'm not worried about employment. Come on. Or which house is mine, when it's going to come, glory to God. I'm going to just do my part, but I'm girding up the loins of my mind. And I quoted it already, but let's say it again. And girding it up on what? On the word of God that thou shalt supply all of my needs. And how is he going to do it? According to his riches and glory. Well, if he's supplying all my needs according to his riches and glory, to me, that sounds like I have everything I need. Sounds like I can rest in God. Did you know that it was God's will that believers would never worry? Find me a scripture that gives authorization for you to worry. This same Peter, we don't have time to turn to all these passages tonight, but this same Peter said, cast your cares on the Lord for he cares for you. That word cast in the Greek means to throw. To toss, cast your cares, get rid of them, stop worrying, stop figuring it out, stop sorting through it. No, 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 no. God's will for you and for me was that we would live every day in the peace that passes all under. Ooh, this is good teaching tonight. <laughs> and thou will keep you, Isaiah 26, in perfect peace, but only if you gird up your loins of your mind. No, that's something you got to do. You got to keep your mind stayed on him. Does he keep your mind stayed on him? Mm -mm, that's not his job. <laughs> you got to keep your mind. Oh, this good teaching tonight. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Somebody say, I'm girding up my thinking. Whoo, Jesus, I'm tying my mind up around the grace of God. I'm just tied up in his grace. I'm tied up in his grace knowing I'm already healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm tied up in his grace knowing that I have every dime I need to do what I need to do. I'm tied up in his grace, hallelujah, that he is my shepherd and I shall not. So I'm not even going to just need anything. I'm not going to. <coughs> I'm not wanting anything. And there's nothing I want. Who could stand to live like that? Man, I'm teaching now. 
See, I'm taking to another dimension now. Amen. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hallelujah. This is so good. I, I used to think um, uh, years ago, I'll never forget this, probably about 20 years ago, I went to a mall with a friend, and, um, and he bought a tie that cost $100. And I remember that day, still to this day, saying, my God. I didn't say that to him. I put the best on the outside. But I said to myself, a tie? For $100? Who pays $100 for a tie? To me, that is utterly ridiculous. How I many you know 15, 20 years later, I don't think like that? <laughs> Woo, Jesus, y'all going to catch up with me in just a second. My, my, my. Oh, no, I don't think like that now, baby. I know some of y'all was going to think I was going to say, yeah, because that's ridiculous. Mm-mm. No, it ain't. Mm-mm, no, it ain't. Uh, not if you like it. <laughs> now, you got to change your thinking. Because, see, $100 for a tie is only a significant response for a person who doesn't have $100. But, my God, when you moved into the land of more than enough, I wish I had six witnesses in here. Man, when you moved into the land of milk and honey, ooh, Jesus, is there anybody in here that's ready to go into the, to the promised land? You see, a $100 tie just becomes a tie. That's all it is. It's a tie. No, I can't tell you that I go around spending $100 for ties all the time because I don't. Truth is, I, I value my money, so I, I don't do that. But I'm just telling you, just depending on where you are and what status you are in your thinking and in your life and how you have acquiesced it to God's strategy for prosperity and favor, it's just a tie. It's a mindset. Come on. You remember the first time you ate in an eloquent restaurant? Come on, you had to play it off. Everybody around you was just ordering what they wanted, and you went to the hors d'oeuvres and starters. Talking about something, I just eat that. Now you had to transform your mind. Amen. And then you progressed. You, you started going there during restaurant week. Where at least it's within a certain... Oh, y'all know I'm teaching right. It's within a certain cap. I, I know I'm not going to go over 50. But then the Lord just started smiling on you. My God. And now you just say, baby, make a reservation. Glory to God. Let's go twice this week. Gird up the Lord. Change your mind. God's going to be as big as you let him be. And if you minimize him and you put him on a platform and this is just as high as it goes, as best as it gets, he's going to play in that domain. But if you elevate your thinking, how many you know we're not talking about spending money you don't have? Hallelujah. But you elevate your thinking and start releasing your faith and your seed. Hallelujah. God will start doing things for you that transition and increase you. Everybody say change your thinking. Gird up the loins of your thinking. That wasn't in my notes tonight. That was for somebody to break a poverty mentality, though. Amen, amen, amen. Somebody say a new level. I like the New American Standard version of this. You guys don't have to put it up there, but listen to it, church. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your mind to expand the business big. 
Come on, church. Prepare your mind for action. Prepare your mind, hallelujah, to make the marriage be the way God wanted it to be. Increase your thinking. Start wrapping your mind around better. Keep sober spirit, he says. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is good stuff tonight. Now, I could take you through a ton of scriptures to show you people in especially the New Testament <coughs> that girded up their thinking. But I want to show you one in particular as to to why she ultimately got her healing and got what she wanted from the Lord. Come with me to Matthew nine, please. Matthew nine and 18. I'm almost home. <laughs> mm mm. We're going to another level. And then we're going to link it to faith with our points at the end. But I want you to look at Matthew 9, <clears throat> verse number 18 through 22. This is good stuff. Now, I really want you to see the woman with the issue of blood through a lens tonight that you may not have seen her in times past. I know you've heard this story before. But don't have the reaction of, yeah, 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 know that story. Uh-uh. Look at her tonight through the lens of mental toughness. Because I'm going to set you up in a way tonight that's going to blow your mind. You see, in the theology or the history of Jesus, there, there, were, there were some cities that he would have touched more than once. That he went to more than one time. Now... <laughs> I don't know if this is one of those cities that he would have gone to more than one time. But I was in prayer earlier today, and at least for the sake of discussion, I want you to ponder something with me. Jesus is in ministry about three years. And if this woman had an issue of blood, how many years? Twelve. Thank you, Bible readers. Twelve years. Who's to say that he didn't come to her city a year or two before she actually got healed? Because we're in Matthew chapter 9. So Jesus had done some circling by now. I don't know. I'm not telling you that's exactly what it would happen. But who's to say that she wasn't somewhere near another revival he was preaching? Ooh, this is going to come on for somebody tonight. Who's to say that she didn't have other opportunities? Because keep in mind, <clears throat> this is at least the genesis of the New Testament church. By the way, the New Testament really started in the book of Acts because that's when Jesus ascended. But we, we call the Gospels part of the New Testament, but it really started in the book of Acts. Well, this is kind of the New Testament move of God. This is at least uh, a dispensation of the power of God at work in the earth realm. And the question would be if she was sick 12 long years and Jesus had a three year ministry, even if this was the last year of Jesus's ministry, would she not have qualified to have been healed at least two years earlier? I think if I had an issue of blood, I'd have found Jesus. And the physicians couldn't do anything for me. No, you got to read this story. They did all that they could do. She spent all the money she had. Somebody say, go find Jesus. Quick plug. That's why you need to be at a Signs, Wonders, Miracle Church. That's why you need a KCC. 
Instead of the church of the chosen frozen, no, find somewhere where people are leaving the altar healed, where people are getting new jobs, where people are prospering, where people are closing on their homes, where people, married couples are having babies. Go find Jesus. Stop wasting your time somewhere where the spirit of God is not flowing. Amen. But look at this. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter had just died, but come lay your hands on her and she will live. Now, this is so powerful. You talk about uh, a powerful revelation. How many people in here, and I know you're not going to raise your hand, would go to a funeral, amen, with your own needs? No one's going to do that. No, not just, I, 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 I couldn't imagine you doing that. I could not imagine you seeing us getting ready to process in with the family and you come and just cut in the line and have your needs. How many people in here might do something like that? I just, I can't imagine that happening. Understand that it took some tremendous, tremendous mental toughness for this woman to hear that a young girl had died, yet still troubled Jesus. The daughter has died, Jairus' daughter. Go to verse number 19. This is good stuff tonight. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. I need to get to this house because they just lost a daughter. I got somewhere to be. Would you please look at mental toughness unravel? Verse number 20. And suddenly... A woman who had a flow of blood. She said, uh-huh. Yeah, I know they lost somebody. But look here, I've been bleeding. I got this condition. And I've been like this for 12 doggone years. And I don't know when you're preaching in the city again. You're going to do something about this today. I wish I had a witness in here. You're getting ready to change course and direction. I believe you got enough power for me and for her. But come on, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Do something about this right now. Somebody say mental toughness. Now that's revelatory right there. Suddenly she shows up and says, look here, I got to touch you. I know you got a funeral to get to or maybe you're going to heal her. I don't know what you're going to do, Jesus, but I got to touch you. Amen. She came from behind. Woo, Jesus. Oh, that's revelatory. When are you going to walk Jesus down? <laughs> See, Jesus is moving at a certain pace. When are you going to come from behind and... When are you going to walk him down? That's one of the most fascinating plays in football when a running back looks like he's running for the touchdown, but somebody walks him down. He came from behind. He stopped the touchdown. When are you going to stop Jesus? When are you going to come from behind? She came from behind and did what? Touched just the hem of his garment. Now, y'all, this is already mental toughness because, first of all, she had no business being in that domain with an issue of blood. She was untouchable. That's number one. She was breaking all kinds of laws by being there anyway. Those of you who don't know, if a woman was bleeding, she could not be out and about like that. She was going against the culture. How many of you know when you're ready to touch Jesus, they'll be going on with the service, but you'll still be talking about some Lord, I love you with all my heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you right now that you are the Lord that healed me. Come on, somebody. She went against the culture. She was touching Jesus. 
No, I'm getting to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Y'all can go ahead to Silver Corral, but I got to touch Jesus. Amen. I'm coming to you, Jesus. I need you, Father. I'm, I'm touching Jesus. Whatever I got to do to get to Jesus, that's what I'm going to do today. Amen. If I pray two hours, whatever I got to do, I got to read my Bible all day long. I'm going to touch Jesus today. I'm going to bring my faith where it needs to be so I can get all that Jesus wants me to have because I'm tired of living like this. I'm, I'm tired of being sick like this. I'm tired of being broke like this. Somebody say it's up to me. I'm touching Jesus. Come on, take your seat. Hallelujah. So she came from behind there and she walked him down, even though he had a dead girl to get to. <laughs> Verse number 21, you see mental toughness unravel. Here it is. For she said, ah, Jesus. Who said to her? She said to her. Who encouraged her to? She said to her, that's mental toughness. If you're going to get some breakthroughs in your life, you better start saying to yourself. You're going to have to start, no, mm -mm, no, I'm going to win this thing. No, I'm getting in. I'm getting in the school of my choice. I'm saying to myself, I'm, no, mm -mm, no, this company is going to be everything. God, I'm saying it to myself. What did she say to herself? She created a touching point for faith that if I may touch his garment, I'm going to be made well. That's all I got to do. You know, he doesn't even have to acknowledge me. But if I can just touch his garment, she released her faith on his garment. And she said to herself, if I can just touch his garment, things are going to change. Everybody say mental toughness. No, you got to say to yourself, you got to change your mind like David. You got to encourage yourself in the Lord. <clears throat> and what happened after she said to herself and carried it out? Look at verse number 22. Come on, church. We're almost done. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your what? <clears throat> Mental toughness. Your faith has made you well. And how long did it take her to be made well? Immediately that hour. See, this is such a good teaching tonight because you got to understand some things that's going to happen in your life, you will determine the time. You, you really will. Now, not in everything. I'm a balanced pastor. I don't want to mess anybody up. There are some things, you know, tried by fire. You're developing. God's going to let you develop in it. Praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, there are a whole lot of things in our life that we're going to determine the time. And it's so contingent upon the elevation of my faith to receive from the Lord. God's always wanted to do that for you. I feel a revelation coming on now. No, he, he always wanted you to have that. that. That was never a challenge for him. God's a multi-trillionaire and beyond. Like he, he's not lacking supplies. He, he always had that on his mind for you. But in order for you and I to receive what he has on his mind for us, we're going to have to have mental toughness. We're going to have to have promised land thinking. We're going to have to have the type of thinking to where no matter what the enemy sends, our disposition towards God doesn't change. He sends something, we stay right where we are. We endure. And we endure as a good soldier. We don't look forward to suffering. We understand at any moment now this will come to a close. 
And we are elevating our faith and we're elevating our thinking so we can receive all that God wants to do in our life. This is so good. This is pastoral. Listen to my next stanza of teaching. So, Pastor, what happens when I had a deadline when I was believing God to do something by? This is so good. I was believing him to have my body healed. I really, I really felt like I was releasing faith and I was believing him to have that done. There are two good answers to that question that's really going to bless you because I'm one of those why preachers and I like answering the why questions. First things first, Timothy talks about the unfeigned faith. The unfeigned faith. What is the unfeigned faith? We don't have time to turn there. That is a faith that is not fake faith. Real faith has to be in place. So as we already described, sometimes I did not have healing faith yet. That's why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I will exude or exhort my mental toughness towards listening to more faith preaching. Amen. Getting in more faith scriptures, because I understand that anytime I don't receive something from the Lord, it's never the Lord. I need to adjust my antenna. So that's the first level. But I got something that's going to bless your socks off because there is a such thing as you haven't been in faith. And there is something that God wanted to get to you, but you don't have it yet. And this is revelation and we don't have time to go there tonight, but you study it on your own free time. <clears throat> Over in Daniel chapter 10, understand that when the angel got through to Daniel with the information that Daniel was believing for. When by the time the angel finally got to him, you got to hear how the angel started talking to him. He said, from the time you started to pray, I heard you. No, the time you that was there really what I had already. It was an appointed. No, that time you started to pray. I heard you. I heard you. I heard you. And he said, and I've come for your words. Somebody say that's why you got to release the right words. That's why you can't let the enemy change your words when pressure comes. When the deadline goes past the deadline and your healing ain't there yet, your job ain't there yet, don't change your words. Keep your words right there. Keep your words right there. Keep it. I know God said, yep, I ain't changing nothing. I'm staying flat-footed on it. But get the revelation of the text. From the time you began to pray, I heard your words, but here it is in a nutshell. I was trying to get to you, but the spirit of Persia held me up for 21 days. No, you were in faith. You believed God. You believed his word. Amen. You were founded in his word. But the spirit of Persia held me up. Pastor, why is that so important? Because that's when mental toughness has to kick in. This is so good. In that gap between I believe and I receive, there must be mental toughness. In that gap in I know God said it's mine and it's mine, there must be in that mental, mental toughness that says, I will not give up. I will not quit. Well, how do you stand? You stand, therefore, in the power of the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. 
You don't stand in your emotions. You don't stand in your opinions. You don't do what Jeremiah did and start complaining. You don't do what Job did in Job 42 and start complaining and then only to have God answer you with, well, listen, where were you? And then you're just going to have to come back and repent like Job did and say, Father, forgive me. There were things too wonderful for me to know. One preacher said it this way. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a, a, a ton of reactions like this. Ah, oh, that's what you were doing. Ah, how many you know God knows what he's doing? Oh, so that's what was happening. Oh, OK. So Aunt Sally, who didn't want to see me be blessed, was working witchcraft. Oh, see, we don't want to rule those things out, church. That's why every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn it. Let me back up and put something really important on the on the uh, recording, something that will deflate, deflate some and most certainly add grace to others. How many of y'all know this message is contingent upon obedience to God? Like I thought I'd just add that, just to add perspective. Because how many know you can't have mental toughness while you just disobeying everything? I, you know, you can't stand firm in the Lord and disobey what he told you to do. Live in sin and, but have mental toughness. Well, you can, you know, you can do that, but it's not going to give you results. And I say it in love tonight. So obedience is critical to my teaching tonight. But back to the point. No, the day that you prayed, God heard you. He wants to do it. I'm telling you, y'all. And if you ever get a revelation of the spiritual atmosphere, I could tell God's taking me in a different direction. You ever get a, re a, a, a real realization of the spiritual atmosphere when the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood? You got to keep re reading. But principality, spiritual wickedness in high places. Man, how many of you know Sunday was a powerful day? Anybody here on Sunday? What a move of God. Y'all, don't you know that I know when we have powerful moves of God like that? Now, this is for my senior people in the room. Don't you know I have learned to expect Satan's retaliation? You start tearing down the kingdom of, oh, yeah. So later that night, there's a tornado warning. And I get a report that there, there, there's a, a, a ceiling in the back where uh, a, a few towels had caved in and all these other things on, on too. Well, we expect that. Well, number one, it lets us know it's for our prayer warriors. You know, next time something like that, you start going up in prayer and you take authority and you bind it up. Amen. But then number two, just fix it. I asked the guys today, I said, but how much do you think that's going to cost to fix? He said, yeah, about $40. Praise the Lord, devil didn't work. That's pretty easy. You want a church check or you just want cash? I'll give you cash for that one. What's easiest? Yeah. And he can't come but so close anyway because there's a hedge. If he had it his way, it happened to my, not to my sister-in-law, but schools in, in her region. Y'all, it tore schools up. Don't you know if the devil want, really could, he would have ripped the hole right down the middle of this building. He hates us. 
That's why you need mental toughness. Who cares that he hates you? You ever stop long enough to say that, like, if somebody really hates you, why you care? I mean, that is so important to, to get. And that's what's wrong with us in this culture. We're in a like-me society. Come on. We're in an affirmation society. So the first person that don't like you, you, you oh, Lord Jesus, they just ain't going they don't like me. Now, the Bible does say, as often it's up to you, keep peace with how many men? All men. So you do your part to keep peace with all men. But my God, if the devil hates you, he's going to hate you. But don't be afraid of him. You exude mental toughness. Amen. You exude mental toughness and you'll be healed that self-same hour. I pray this is blessing somebody like it's blessing me. Because I'm telling you, man, I'm getting all that God says I can have. That's just the bottom line, church. I'm not leaving anything on the table. I just I made up in my mind. I said, you know, Satan's never going to adjust my thinking about how God feels about me. He's never going to change one promise. Mm -mm. He's not going to get me over into unbelief. He's not going to get me into thinking this way, thinking that way about things that I know God has just said is already ours. That's mental toughness. Amen. Let's go ahead and close this thing out. So what produces mental toughness? Three quick points. Give you one more scripture and uh, <clears throat> turn it over to Brother Melvin and, and, and let you go. But what produces mental toughness? Number one, the magnitude of your desire. Now that's good. The magnitude of your desire. Please put this in quotations. How bad do you want it? <laughs> How bad do you want it? No, that, 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 that really, talk about your Navy SEALs, you, you talk about your marathon runners. You know, I, I was coming from my house, going down the highway, and I had uh, Sister Rogers in the car with me, and I calculated the miles from where we were coming from to where we were going, and I think we ended up somewhere in Pineville, and the miles said 26 miles. And I looked at her, I said, dear, we just drove the distance of a marathon runner. It's a lot of running tape. That's a long way. You know where I live. That's a long, that's a, that's a trek right there. But it took mental toughness to do that. But they, they got to want it. Yeah. You got to want it. How bad do you want it? The race still is not Ecclesiastes 9 given to the swift, nor to the strong. Time and chance happening to them all, but the race is not given to people who just sprint. How bad do you want it? You know, determining yourself that I'm, I'm just willing to pay the cost necessary to get to what God says is mine. Amen. Because, y'all, there is a such thing, and I love good teaching like this. There's a such thing as just falling short of attaining and it has so much to do with a person's fire, their passion. I love these stories. Man, if uh, 20 years ago, however long it was now, it wasn't that long ago, but I, I had it probably 20 years. But if when I went to rezone our counseling practice, by that time we were married, so that's probably 12, 13 years ago, uh, 12 years. Um, and I said, um, you know, because the, the city council said we're not going to, rezone this or, or city committee, whoever it was that said that, you know, if at that time uh, I didn't want it bad enough, that's a good time to tuck your tail. 
and quit. How many of you know you can quit? Did you know quitting is an option? I know it is because I quit running this morning. <laughs> I started out, I said, not today. I was just tired, man. I flew in yesterday from Washington and my body was just, whoo. That's when my wife told me to go sit down somewhere. Yeah. But I may run tonight. I'm starting to feel some fire. She won't let me. But um, yeah, you can quit, man. Quitting is an option. Did you know that? Yeah. That's why they have all but dissertation. That don't mean nothing. What is all but dissertation? Thank you. That's what it is, seriously. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody. Sometimes people have to get all but dissertation because family reasons, health reasons, whatever. I'm not making fun. Please don't get mad at me if you get this CD and you're all but dissertation. But that's just a quit. That, I just, I did not finish. That's all it is. You can quit anything. You can quit your marriage. You leave her before God does a work in her and, you know, five years later you bump into her at Neighborhood grocery store, and you say, my God. <laughs> Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. Start, you know, singing secular songs and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. You quit too soon. You can quit on him too soon. Come on, married couples. You just quit too soon. Now, there's a time to quit, but there's a time to not quit. Yeah, that's stick to that we talked about earlier. I'm getting in the trenches. Don't quit on your daughter that, you know, gave her life to the Lord, your son that gave his life to the Lord, but then they're battling still back and forth. Don't quit on them. Don't quit. Stay, stick it out. Stick it out. Amen. You might be the only lifeline they have when they finally get ready. <clears throat> stick it out. Because what's the other result? The other result is they die and go to hell. Is it worth that? No, don't quit on them. Keep inviting them over for Thanksgiving. See, we talk about desires and promotion and new businesses and all that kind of stuff. But y'all, sometimes desire is simple as simple as the things of life functioning. You know, I'm not going to quit on my family. Amen. I'm not going to quit on those desires that are just so godly and so clean. You know, we're not going to quit on shutting down abortion clinics in our city. You're just not quitting on that. that but that takes mental toughness. Mental toughness. I believe in God right now to have all of the alternative resources for a young lady that would consider keeping her child. Oh, my gosh. I'm believing him right now for all of the right resources where she can get whatever she needs out of the kingdom of God. Have her baby to the glory of God. If she decides, raise her own baby or give the baby up for adoption to somebody else that wants a baby. Amen. Don't quit on that vision. Stick it out. Amen. How bad do you want it will determine whether or not you get there. That's so critical. You fail a test, go back and take it again. I remember the first time I took the real estate exam, I failed it so bad. By the time I got to the last half of the exam, I just started marking stuff. <coughs> I said, this is awful. I am not passing today. Praise the Lord. I started looking at all the people around me. Looks like y'all are focusing. I'm not. I failed. That was in college when I took it. I was like a junior college. This is horrible, Gabe. You didn't study anything. And I just got up, walked out to class. <laughs> Joe, I know you're in school. You're going to love it. I, walked, I just walked out cracking up. 
Send me my results. Failed royally. Amen. Praise the Lord. I didn't study. Yeah. I didn't study. Mm -mm. I didn't expect to pass. I walked in there that day knowing this is the day I failed this test. You can't go on no test like that, the state exam. Like, that is a hard test, too, baby. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. But I, I tell you what, I got my act together. Went back and passed it. Glory to God. They're real good. Amen. Yeah. How bad do you want it? Desire means something. You know, when the school wouldn't let me into the graduate program, don't worry, they sent me a letter of rejection. I sure went up there and met with those people. Y'all ain't getting this. I'm talking about mental toughness. I said, hey, what's up with this? Who's the chair of this department? Do they know who they turned down? I didn't say that. But I sure did go call a meeting and watch how mental toughness works. This was for my master's. Mental toughness worked in my favor because I was willing to put faith on the line and went and met with that lady. You know what she did? She said, you know what? Those tests that you guys have to take to get into graduate school, they're culturally biased. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give me your ID number. I'm going to go ahead and enter you into the program. I'm just going. And you know what I told her? I said, you know what? You give me a chance. I promise you I'll be your top student. Mental toughness. Now, I, won't, I don't need a B or a C. Mm -mm, all A's. I'm going to show you that I'm supposed to be here. Y'all going to catch up with this next week. I'm telling you, man, that's how life is, man. Some things you're going to have to break some rules by faith. It just, I just believe I receive. No, I know what the will of God is. I'm, no, I'm going to win this thing. And I'm telling stories now from, you know, probably 20 years ago, but this is so important. What produces mental toughness? The magnitude of your desire. How bad a person wants it. Amen. You got to want it bad enough. I hope you're not bored. The second thing that produces mental toughness is a word from the Lord, which really should have been first. A word from the Lord. If you like writing, God said it. I'm not changing my mind about what he said. <laughs> Notice I'm not changing my mind about what he said. See, you get a word from the Lord. That's all you need to hinge on. When they say come hell or high water, literally. Hell or high water, you going in. Nothing can stop you. <clears throat> a word from the Lord produces mental toughness. I can remember certain times, and you can too, some of you who are of age, where there were certain things I was, I, was, I was wanting to see happen, and the only thing that kept me sticking it out, staying in faith, is knowing what God said. That's it. If God didn't say it, oh, I'd have quit long ago. If God didn't say it, oh my gosh, never mind. This is crazy. This is too much. But a word from the Lord? I tell you what, as of today, I'm so glad I stuck it out. Come on, church. Anybody in here with me? Aren't you glad you stuck it out on what God said you could have? It took mental toughness. I'm not making fun of her tonight. Um, this is so important that you hear it in faith. I, sometimes, you know, I'm going to be careful about laughing when, when, when we need to laugh. and not. I'm not being funny right now. Before I met Stephanie, uh, who was a first lady at the time, um, uh, I don't know, within that year, she told me how she went down to the bridal store. 
and she started trying on bridal dresses. Come on. No boyfriend, no spouse-to-be, no engagement. Don't you know that's mental toughness? Because what's the first thing the ladies ask you when you show up? When's your date? Oh, I'm not sure, just trying to get used to some things. I don't know what she said. Yo, that's mental toughness. I'm telling you. You know, you say, oh, do people really do that? Sure they do. Amen. And then she started liking me. You know, she met me and she had a crush on me. Amen. Amen. I'm glad she did. Amen. I had a crush on her too. A word from the Lord, though. You get a word from the Lord. I'm getting married. Oh, yeah, I am. Mental toughness. No, I'm, I'm healed. I'm not getting healed. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Oh, this is so good. This last Sunday, you know, there was a lady about six, seven months ago. She'd been hearing me preach on TV down past Gastonia or something. She was finally able to visit church. She said I was diagnosed with cancer. This was months ago, probably last year. It was last year. Right, Lori? Last year. And uh, she said, but I was hearing you preach on TV. I had to come see you. Now, I'm going to be moving out of state, but I had to come see you. I said, well, look, we're going to pray and believe God right now that by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. And by the next time I see you, amen, there will be no cancer to the glory of God. I tell you what, that lady was here on Sunday. She came down the aisle with tears in her eyes she said Ooh, pastor man somebody was talking to me but she was like the woman with the issue of blood oh you're gonna catch that in a second she said oh I just gotta tell you now I'm gonna be going back out of town again to see my daughter but I want to tell you that it worked I'm cancer free hallelujah there is no cancer to the glory of God and I just want to thank you for your prayers I want to I want to thank you for believing God with me well, but that, that was eight months ago. What if she had quit? In, in between in the name of Jesus and being healed. What if you quit? You know, the singles, you were in that single small group. Man, I know you're having tons of fun, but it, seriously, to download the lessons, that's going to take mental toughness. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not ignoring red flags. Nope, I'm doing everything God said do because I'm getting married. I'm going where God says I'm going. I have a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm almost done. My last point, and I only got five minutes. This is so good. <clears throat> what produces mental toughness? Number three, an overall tolerance for time. <clears throat> an overall tolerance for time. What is your time tolerance? Mm -hmm. Overall tolerance for time. Uh, the great Kenneth Hagin used to say it this way. He said, you know, he's in heaven now, but he said, <clears throat> I realize that if I'm willing to wait forever, I won't have to. Tolerance for time. Time is on my side. Let's go to Psalm 27, 13, 14. Let's let you go home. Whew. Psalm 27. Hallelujah. What's your tolerance for time? Glory to God. How do you tolerate time? Glory to God. Because I would have fainted. I would have lost heart. Hallelujah. Unless, everybody say key word. Unless, there's the mental toughness. Unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord, not in the great beyond, 
but in the land of the living. Now, I'm going to see it right here. I believe I receive right here. Oh, man, that's good stuff. I would have given up unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. My time tolerance, Mel. I would have quit, Gary, but I believe to receive the goodness of the Lord, that I'm going to see his goodness while I'm still alive. You know, that's what Abraham and Sarah had to do. 25 years after a promise. Are y'all kidding this? He had to have a time tolerance. 90 and 100 something years old, time tolerance. Then you manifest a promise. But God's so amazing, he let them live on and enjoy it. How many of you know God's going, <laughs> if you wait a little while, hallelujah, he's going to make sure you have enough time to live on and enjoy. Because the son got grown <laughs> and he was still alive. What's your time tolerance? No, God's going to make sure you enjoy it. Go to verse number 14. This is good stuff. Hallelujah. So what are you going to do? Mental toughness. No, what am I going to do, church? But how am I going to wait? I'm going to be of good courage while I'm waiting. I'm not waiting like Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 12 with a complaint. I'm waiting on the Lord and I'm going to be of good courage and he shall strengthen my heart. And it seemed like to me the psalmist knew that God had something up his sleeves for you. Because he didn't just tell you to wait once. He really wants you to get. Now listen, you don't want to miss this. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You don't want to miss this opportunity. You don't want to miss out on what God is going to do. You don't want to miss out on what God has for you. You don't want to come within days of the promised land. Where you would have been crossing over, come on, on May 5th. And you gave up on April 16th. You don't want to miss it. You don't, you, don't, you don't want to be right next to it. Right next to it, church. Are y'all getting this? No, you better study your Bible if you don't really get this revelation. Do you realize for Israel that journey was 11 days? That means the land was right there. Right there. And they still didn't go in. Somebody just said it on this side. Yeah, so close. Whoever said that, you're right. So close. And that's what I'm saying to you tonight. You're so close. <clears throat> I know you had deadlines and you have certain themes about when God needed to have this thing done by. And I've explained to you the concept of the spirit of Persia. Then I explained to you the concept of sometimes we need to elevate our faith. Whatever it is, do what you got to do. Bind the devil, adjust your antenna, but stay in the race. Don't give up. Gird up the loins of your thinking. Be sober. I like teaching like this. You know, I peruse the audience tonight and I see so many sweet people, new members and previous members, older members. It doesn't matter. Just nice people that go to this church. And, you know, you know I, I could kind of talk to one of my board members over here and, and say, man, you know, what, what, if I, what if we would have given up the first night we put the PowerPoint out there? What if you would have quit? 
You know, this is so good. I, I'm kind of done teaching, but I want you to learn from experience. You know, those 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 multiple Thursday nights at the counseling practice waiting room that seated about 30 people when we were putting those chairs out that the hospital donated to us. You know, what what if you would have quit it when you were putting those chairs out? What if you'd have thrown in the towel? I'm not boasting in us. We boast only in the Lord. But what if you would have thrown in the towel? You never get to meet Tracy. You quit too soon. You don't get to meet the Johnson family or Sakari. You don't don't meet any of these nice. You quit too soon. You You definitely don't get to do Lisa's wedding. What a privilege. You gave up too fast. You quit. All these good quality people. That's now in the kingdom of God. God's sheep that are shaking up the city of Charlotte and the nation. Look at you, church. I'm telling you, you need, you need to boast in the Lord, but you need to like start smiling and understand you're doing it. No, you're shaking it up, baby. Taking the city for the glory of God. You don't get these great melodious singers. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get this. You don't, you don't, it just doesn't happen that way. What if you quit? Who am I ministering to tonight to where the enemy has tempted you with quitting, with giving up? Come on, gird up the loins of your thinking. You know, you might be tempted, and my time is up, but just let me minister as a pastor for a second. You might be tempted to just give up on holiness. And holiness is not a movement, it's a lifestyle. Just to give up on, and that's all holiness is, is God's way. Just to do things God's way. You know, you're tempted to give up on that because you're not getting results as fast as you would want to get them. You know, I've ministered this to to other pastors or or, or other people who, you know, they they just wanted greater results. And and, and my feedback has always been, man, just don't compromise. Stand on the word. You know, what does the word say? Build your stuff on the word of God and then don't look over the train tracks at what somebody else is doing. Because that'll mess you up too. get you all into covetedness. Don't worry about all that. You just minister and love people and build it off of the word of God and it'll work. Most importantly, if you have a word from the Lord, what are you going to do when an obstacle comes? Overcome it. You know, that's that's what it means. It comes, but you Overcome. By this have we leaped over walls, run through troops and leaped over walls. We got authority. Overcome it. You know, you believe in God for certain breakthroughs in your life. Okay, get it. I like what Gloria Copeland says. She says, I take it. I take it. You start taking some stuff. Oh, I take it. Amen. Start taking it. No, 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 no. We're not going to let the devil hold our stuff. We're going to take it. We have mental toughness. We're going to overcome it. You know, we're going to be 100% healed, Brian. We're just going to take it. We just, we, I just refuse. You're just going to refuse to be sick. You're going to be 100% wealthy. Amen. To the glory of God. So you can do more in the kingdom of God. But you're just going to take it. You know. 
How foolish would it be for God to bless you? And I do mean the word foolish on, pro- on purpose. He bless you, prosper you, move you into a good land, a wealthy place, and then you, won't, you, you still got all the plastic on everything. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You got aunts and uncles like that. They still got the plastic on the couch. Can't even use the plastic. Come on. Can't use the couch. Can't sit on it. That's a poverty mentality. How many know when you wear that couch out, God will give you another dog on the couch. Use the couch. Put some stain master on it and sit on it. It's a couch. Yeah. You got to gird up the loins of your mind. Amen. I've given you those examples. But as a man thinketh in his heart, <clears throat> how you think? You know, that hundred dollar tie was so threatening to me years ago because that, that's just where my mind was. I hadn't been exposed to anything like that. You know? I'm amazed sometimes at some of the things that, that I see and, and experience, and, 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 and it, it just has to do with a mindset. You know, I was at a church <coughs> not long ago, um, may have been for a funeral. It was for a funeral. And um, I'm not making fun of anybody, so you hear this soberly. But it was an established church, they, brick and mortar church, established church, a building, you name it. And um, I looked at their thermometer. And, you know, they they had this long window. It may have been a year or two that they were just believing. I don't even say believing, but they were they were trying to raise the funds in this window, you know. And and I looked up there and and their target goal. Now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about a storefront here. Talking about an established church. Their target goal was five thousand dollars. I wanted to say to the pastor, are you kidding me? Will you elevate your thinking? Are y'all in here? $5,000 over two years? You don't have to say, man. Some of you need to elevate your thinking. Over two years. Now, y'all know me better than that. I wish we would go some two years to get some 5000 Man, I'd preach on that for six months. Sure would. I remind y'all of it. I keep talking about it. You know, it did take us five, two years to get five. I can't believe it to this day, but two doggone years to get 5000 out. Are you out of your mind? If you don't challenge people, amen. If you don't get in people's stuff to believe God's word, to believe what the Bible says about sowing and reaping, are you in here? That's a mindset, though. So whereas you could have that project done within about two months, you got to take two years. By the time you raise the money, inflation going to kick in, and you're probably going to need another $2,000 for the material at that time for $5,000. Again, I'm not talking about a 10-member church here. That's a mindset. Sometimes we got to break our mind up. In fact, that's what we're going to pray for right now. I know this is anointed. I know this is God tonight. There are mindsets. There are glass ceilings in the room. There are glass ceilings in the room, and God wants you to crack that ceiling tonight. Do you know that Psalm 78 says that Israel (coughs) limited God? God was upset with them because they limited him. 
They said he this this high. We, we can only believe him. for No, God wants you to raise the bar. I was talking to a pastoral friend earlier this week and he said, Brother Gabe, I got to tell you, man. God is blessing me so much right now, it's scaring me. I said, yeah, you know, he raises the bar. You're in a new dimension now. We'll deal with this on Sunday night, but you do know God can take you into a wealthy place. You're in a new dimension now. Amen. It's a little uncomfortable because you're just not used to it being. Are y'all in here? Man, just this golly, you're just not used to that much favor. But you sold for that. You ever thought about that? How many people here don't mind reaping your harvest? How about that? You saw, how many offerings have you given in? Extra offerings and beyond? And will continue to do so? Not just sowing money, time, efforts, prayers, faith, believe God. So now don't let all this abundant crop come up. And then because your mind hadn't come up, you don't go out and put in the sickle. No, you got to put in the sickle. You got to put in the sickle. You got to cut the stalks down and start harvesting. Meet me on Sunday night for increase night because according to Amos 9 and 13, the plowman's going to overtake the reaper. How many of you know that by the time you plant again, there's going to be a harvest walking you down? Hallelujah to the glory of God. Come on, stand to your feet with me if you don't mind. 